Welcome to Deserted. Each episode, we welcome a guest into the customs office. There, they must decide which five items they want to take with them onto the deserted island. Five items, one island. This is Deserted. Joining me in the customs office today is Jason Snell, an American writer, editor and podcaster whose professional career has been spent covering Apple and related technologies and pop culture. He was editorial director for IDG, the publishers of Macworld magazine, until 2014 when he created SixColors.com. It's a website to continue covering technology and Apple products and also runs a podcast network called The Incomparable, focused on pop culture, discussions and game shows. He talks about life as an independent worker on a podcast called Free Agents and talks technology on the Upgrade podcast, both hosted at Relay.fm. Jason, welcome to the customs office. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. We'll, we'll find out whether or not you remain happy <laughs> as as we go through the, uh, the the process of getting five items. I'm emotionally prepared. Good. <laughs> <laughs> well, your initial docket into the customs office contained the two words, fight me. So we shall wait and see. We are after Jason's five choices for the one island. Website, podcast, Twitter feed, book and a gadget or device. And you can find links to all of the choices at desertypodcast.com slash Jason or in your podcast app of choice. So then I've got my stamp here, my approved, disapproved stamp, which uh, I shall be um, potting over your choices. And let's start with your first choice of website. I really struggled with a lot of these choices because uh, on with a complete absence of anything except Wikipedia, there is a real question about um, what I would choose, right? This is, the, this is the point of the exercise, I suppose. I ended up going with a really supremely boring choice, which is the New York Times, only because I feel like on my island, I would like to stay up to date on um, on what's going on, and uh, so I want to I want a news website. Essentially, I thought about things that are you know websites that cater to me very specifically as a fan of a TV show or a movie or something like that. And I thought in the end, um, I want to stay current so that when I uh, finally reemerge into society, I'm aware of what's been going on. I also wanted to come up with a site that posts a large amount of content on a regular basis because I'm going to be needing things to read. And if I've got uh, essentially an entire news website's worth of daily output, and that's a, that's one that I, I consider pretty reliable and uh, has a lot of good writing and they have magazine stories that they post online as well as the breaking news and the analysis and things like that, it will give me a lot to read. So I could have picked some others, but I feel like this is the one that maybe would, would serve me the best on the island. And so you'd be able to kind of go, oh, I'm into a bit of a you know science sort of feeling. I wonder what's happening in the world of science. Exactly. And if I can't go out and see a movie on the island no. um, or read a book, I could at the very least read a review of it and talk to the coconut as if I had seen it and seem very up to date on culture. And I think that would be... Uh, a good thing for me um, mentally. Okay. I'm unsure about the bandwidth on the island. It goes up and down. So 
it did seem to be quite a fully loaded front page. So um, I am a little concerned it might be slow for you. That's that's okay. In the end, the text is the thing that matters most. I probably won't be surfing through the multimedia features. Um, I I think I think if I can get the text to load, perhaps I will load the uh, the the amp version or the mobile version if I need to get the get the bandwidth down enough to to read it. Because really, I only need the text to load. That's the most important thing. Okay, New York Times at nytimes.com. Yeah, boring, but uh, it's going to give me things to read. So that's what I want. Okay, it's approved. It's going on the oh, going hooray. on the approved panel side. You know, I th- I thought about the Project Gutenberg website, which contains a whole lot of ebooks, but I think it would be contrary to the spirit of choosing a book. So I went with news, which is not a book. No, and and I like it, and it stays within our rules here that it can't be a um, sort of a media network, can't be movies, TV on demands, any social networks mm-hmm. or anything like that. So it's approved. That can go alongside. As you said, Wikipedia, which you get by default, just to help you survive and uh, find out if that insect is edible or deathly. Yes. So, um, good. We're going to find out Jason's Twitter feed choice. And 354,000 followers can't be wrong. But first, a podcast. What is the podcast that you are going to stick in your ears, close your eyes and uh, use it to take you away or uh, improve your mood? In uh, a move that will surprise probably nobody who knows me, my favorite podcast is called The Flophouse. You can find it at flophousepodcast.com. It's a podcast where three friends in New York City watch a, a movie that is a flop, and that is defined very specifically. It also has rules, sort of like this podcast. A flop is defined as being either a critical or financial flop so either a very low rating on, let's say, Rotten Tomatoes or a, uh, a bad box office or both. And uh, generally of recent vintage with occasional um, diversions for special episodes. They watch the movie before they record the podcast, right before. And they're, they're together when they do that. And then they, uh, they talk about what they've just seen. Plus, they read letters from listeners and they recommend a movie that you might actually want to watch in lieu of the movie that they watched. And, and the key point here is there are probably a million movies that are, or a million podcasts that fit that description to a certain degree. Um, the key point here is these guys are incredibly funny. The, one of the hosts is Elliot Kalin, who was the head writer for The Daily Show. Uh, worked at The Daily Show with Jon Stewart for many years and uh, recently was the head writer and one of the producers of uh, the Mystery Science Theater 3000 relaunch. So very funny guy. Dan McCoy, one of the other hosts, is a writer on staff at Daily Show with Trevor Noah and previously worked on The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. So professional comedy writers, comedians, um, people who've done sketch comedy and stand-up comedy in New York's comedy scene. And then their friend uh, Stuart Wellington, who is a college friend of Dan's and a bartender and a bar owner now. And he is an incredibly funny person, as you might expect, for somebody who hangs around with these other funny people. And they have a great dynamic. It's not really about the movie. You don't need to have seen the movie, which is good, because I'm not going to be seeing the movie. And I like that they've got a back catalog. As of this recording, more than 230 episodes 
in the catalog. So assuming that I'm allowed the entirety of the podcast, that gets me some uh, quite re-listenable, because you forget all the fil- the silly jokes they make, um, quite re-listenable podcast. Plus, perhaps it will allow me, if, I, if I'm receiving new episodes, to stay in tune with some skewed version of modern popular culture by hearing about the flops that are out there. You do receive up to updated ones as part of your stay on the island. They come within an enclosure which is called a coconut. Yes. You know, it's a slight change to the RSS configuration. And how perfect is that? Because I just said earlier that I will be speaking to my coconut, acting as if I've seen recent movies that I've only actually read the reviews of in the New York Times. So then the coconut will respond by giving me episodes of the Flophouse. I am liking this coconut more and more. As uh, as this podcast goes along, the trio they they watch the critical or commercial film flops, and they talk about them. And do they talk about them as to sort of do they analyze them as to why it was a critical or commercial flop, or do they take the Mickey out of them, or a mix of everything? I think it's mostly the latter, although there's some of the former. Uh, This is, in the end, I think what they've said is it's a comedy podcast, not a film podcast. It is generally about being silly and making fun of the terrible thing they saw. There usually is an attempt at a plot recap. I think it is analytical at times, and I think what is funny about it is that they're trying to apply some rationality and some analysis. These are people who watch a lot of movies. They understand film, um, but it, it it is not remotely academic. But I think that the, the comedy oftentimes will come from trying to apply actual logic or or standards of, of better films to these films. And I, I quite enjoy it when they um, inject uh, a piece of logic. Recently, they did an episode about a, a war movie called USS Indianapolis Men of Courage, which involved the delivery of the materials for the first atomic bomb. And the ship that delivered those materials then uh, was unescorted because they didn't want to, anybody to know that they were important. They were sunk by uh, Japanese torpedoes. And many of the crew were eaten by sharks while they were in the water before they were rescued. And uh, at the end, there's a coda where they talk to the actual... Uh, survivors who are very, very old. And they, they, the, the podcasters just focused on this one old war hero, essentially, who tells the story and says, ever since that day, I've hated sharks. And it's a great story until they, they apply a little bit of logic, which is, he's speaking as if everybody loves sharks. <laughs> and only if you saw your friends being eaten by them would you decide, you know what, I don't like sharks after all. And it just becomes hilariously funny as they talk about how they, they don't want to offend this old man who was a war hero and he went through something horrible, but the movie uses him in a very strange way. <laughs> and why, and, it, and then it's over and they roll the credits. It's like, why, why did we just see that? And that's the sort of, so, so it's, the goal is to be funny, but I think the fun, the funniness is driven usually by some level of analysis. It's smart. Even when they make dumb jokes, they are generally dumb jokes from a, a position of being well-educated and having kind of like esoteric references and uh, and applying logic and things that, that really tickle me. And yes, they will also make completely crude jokes too, and those are also very funny. So it's a great combination. And they are quite standalone episodes, would you say? I mean, there is some continuity in the sense that there are um, there are running there are some running gags, and it's funnier if you watch them emerge and then notice that they've been called back. Uh, my friend John Syracuse likes to 
who 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 recommended this to me in the first place because he actually used to work with um with one of the co-hosts brother and that's how we heard about it is his co-worker's brother who worked at you know who was in comedy in uh, in New York City uh had a podcast and and then John spread the word but um he he likes to encourage people to listen from the beginning I would never do that because in the beginning they have a different co-host and the sound quality is terrible Usually the recommendation I have is for people to find an episode that covers a movie that they've seen because that will give them something to hold on to. That's what happened to me. I, my first episode was Cowboys and Aliens, which is a movie that I had seen. And so I was able to, to kind of hold on. But once you, once you're, you're hooked, I think the best thing is to try and go as far back as you can in the catalog, maybe to episode 50 or episode 80 or something like that and start forward. And you may miss some of the, uh, some of the origins of some of the running jokes, but, um, but that's basically what I did is I, um, at some point, what I ended up doing is I had a dual track philosophy where I was listening to new episodes and gradually going from the beginning of the catalog forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was great until I ran out of the catalog episodes and, and that's where I am now. So on the island, I'm looking forward to dipping back to episode one with the terrible sound quality and the wrong co-host and experiencing it all again. And how often do they publish? Every other week. So uh, if that coconut only has to work on Saturdays um, every fortnight. Okay. I can tell that you love the program. I've got to let it through. There's no reason why I shouldn't. So It's just a podcast. It's just a, just, it's just a podcast. It's not going to incite madness with you. I haven't built an artificial podcast feed containing all of the other podcasts that I listen to and wish to subscribe to that. I'm not trying to subvert your rules here. This is, I know this is a very strict uh, entry procedure, so I just wanted to play by the rules for this one. It is. There are no Yahoo pipes working mm, here. Indeed. That's for sure. That's, uh, that's approved. All right. Flophouse Podcast. The Flophouse at flophousepodcast.com. If you would like to go and subscribe yourself, we're going to find out about book, your book choice in a moment. I wonder whether you'll go for, I've got two versions of it here that you can take into the island, a 624-page leather-bound version and an 832-page leather-bound version. So we will find out which one Jason will choose in a moment. But we're going to do Twitter feed now. So earlier I said 354,000 followers follow this account. Which account is it? It is at Hot Dogs Ladies, which is the Twitter account of Merlin Mann. And why have you chosen that? Well, I was really stumped about the Twitter account. Like, is there a Twitter account that I just can't live without or, or that will provide me with information of some sort and contact at the outside world? And I decided... Uh, my friend Merlin, who does have a lot of followers, uh, he uh, he his Twitter account is the most sort of entertaining and eclectic Twitter account out there. I feel like when I'm on a on an island, one of the things that this account will do is confuse me because he will be referencing things that I won't understand. Uh, but I'm kind of okay with it. I find that. Um, I find that kind of entertaining. And he's a very funny guy. He retweets a lot of interesting stuff. He tweets some jokes. Um, he cares about technology stuff and pop culture stuff like I do. It's a weird stream, a weird mix of things. It helps that I know Merlin, but I think his I think it's 
in some ways the best of what Twitter can offer in that is it is this eclectic mix of things found all around the internet and emerging from his mind all mixed together in a way that is uniquely him. But it also means that it's, I feel like I'm always going to be entertained by it, even though I'm not necessarily going to understand all of it. And uh, yeah. And, and I think that's what, all, that's all you can ask for in a Twitter account. And how often does he publish? He seems to tweet fairly regularly. He seems to tweet uh, several times a day. Um, okay. It goes, it goes, it goes back and forth. But he he seems to have five or six uh, tweets a day, uh, some originals and some retweets in there. So there will be a sort of a daily activity as part of your daily activity on the islands. Once you've nourished yourself, you get the Twitter feed and have a little look. Yeah. See what happened with Merlin today and what what he's re- and I I feel as if it's almost going to be a puzzle that I will be able to spend part of my day because a lot of my a lot of my choices here are also about how do I spend time if I have nothing else to do on the island. And so with this my my thought is some of Merlin's tweets will be perplexing enough that I will have to spend some time wondering what it means, thinking of possibilities, but perhaps cross-referencing with news events mentioned in the New York Times. Merlin is also a fan of the Flophouse podcast, so I will be able to cross-reference it with the podcast and see if that helps me decode what he's talking about. And again, I think keeping my mental acuity on the island by having a, a, a Twitter feed that is not always directly understandable without um, some decoding will help my mental state. I'm trying to decide whether or not you're going to feel like you want to chat back to him or not and whether that will irritate you it's by not being able it's to it's possible although I, I i did think of that and i feel like i i do say things to merlin but i also have other channels right now where i say now being cut off from him entirely i might want to respond but so much of what he says is not meant to be responded to i think that happens as a result of having 354,000 followers is that you can't put things out there with a real expectation that you want interaction because you will get interaction on every single post you do, but there's no way you'll be able to to, to handle it. So I think Merlin's feed is largely a broadcast feed, and that's good that I, I won't. I might feel the need to, you know, or the desire to reply back to him, but I don't think it's um, it's entirely necessary because... It, it doesn't seem like it's uh, content that's made for that. So he's almost offering a another person, another view on some things that you are already interested in, like the flop house. Yeah. And, and, and jokes. <laughs> jokes just to keep your morale mm-hmm. up I think so. at times of deep despair. Okay. Uh, this is all going very well. <laughs> um, I think uh, I'm, I think that's approved. All right. Um, so that's at... Hot Dogs Ladies mm-hmm. um, on Twitter. Merlin Man's Twitter account is the one that Jason is going to take on to the island for his undisclosed length of time. The choices will be at desertedpodcast.com slash Jason. If you'd like to go to that website and links will be there or in your podcast app of choice, as they say. Uh, we will find out Jason's gadget or device I shall be asking him the question, nano or touch. Mm. But first, now this one could be an interesting conversation. Your book that you are going for. Yeah, I chose a an omnibus edition of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy series by Douglas Adams. Now, 
this was a very difficult uh, choice because a book to take on a deserted island. I feel like if you ask me what my favorite book was, I would probably not say The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, although it certainly is one of my favorite books. But when I was thinking about books that I actually have in my possession right now, one of them is an omnibus collection of those books. So it's all of The Hitchhiker's Guide books. Now, there are a few different versions with the later versions, and we can... Uh, whatever is available, I'll take. The The key is to have uh, the the core, I guess, four or five novels. And if we can get Mostly Harmless in there at the end, that would be great. Um, the bigger the book, the better, quite frankly, because not only it's heavier, I could perhaps use it to hold things down in the wind uh, or beat on small animals until I could uh, uh, cook them and eat them. There, there, yeah. there are many options. But uh, again, worried about my going... Um, going nuts on the island because I don't have things to read and don't have things to do. The idea that I would have all of these books that are very funny, lots of jokes, lots of density. Uh, I think you can get something new out of it every time you read it. I've read them multiple times. So I feel like it would be a good thing and to lift my spirits because it is so funny. Um, and uh, but, but as I said, one of my key considerations was I was thinking of all the books that I possess in my many bookshelves and the ones that are the largest and perhaps perhaps most varied. And I almost, uh, I also have a collection of all of the Sherlock Holmes. Um, mm-hmm. And that th- crossed my mind, but I don't have the fondness for um, Sherlock Holmes that I do for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And which of the stories is your favorite? Well, it's funny because the history of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy is a circuitous one. It began as a radio play, on the BBC by Douglas Adams. He then converted them into a book and then he converted them into a TV series and then it became a movie. It's had a lot of different forms. As a result, it's very serialized because the radio series was quite serialized. And so I will say the first book, but I feel like you could really argue that the first two books especially run together and are of a whole. And even they run into the third book and form a a more cohesive trilogy at that point the other books are not as good but they do continue the story and have good bits in them and so i would like to have them too but you know if i had to pick one i'll pick the first one but i would argue that the first two are of a kind and and really the first three form something cohesively a trilogy and then as douglas adams liked to joke um it became an increasingly misnamed trilogy after that as books continued to be released Yes, and I see here in the Ultimate Hitchhiker's Guide, Mm. there is a list of instructions on how to leave the planet. So I'm wondering whether or not um, you might try and sort of replicate that in real life in a bid to leave the island. It's, uh, I, I have not taken those instructions literally up to now, but it could be at the very least some entertainment value while on the island. Your idea of using the Hitchhiker's Guide is that it's a kind of a completely different place. It's completely sort of a made up place. It's not going to make you think, oh, I wish I could go there, but I can't because I'm stuck on this island. Right. It's an escape from reality. I think that's part of it. I think it's funny. One of the things that I kept trying to think of is uh, something where when I reread it, it's still going to make me laugh. Uh, it's that it's very dense. There's a lot of uh, stuff in it. It moves along fairly quickly so that if on, on a reread or even reading slowly, I can sort of drink it in that uh, I, one of my concerns was if I got a book that I really liked, but it's a quick read. And once you've read it, you sort of you've read it and you don't really want to go back to it for a while would be difficult. 
Um, I wanted something that was a little more dense than that. And this seemed like it, it, it fit the bill there. And yes, it seems unlikely. It will be fun to dream about going on a spaceship with Arthur Dent and Ford Prefect, but uh, it's not a very realistic hope. And that might be, that might be uh, better than reading a book about somebody who's got running water and a bathroom and uh, can, can walk outside to go to the grocery store and things like that, that I won't be able to do. Sure. Okie dokie. Um, we, I think we're going to go for, oh, uh, one final question, a printed version or an ebook? I, I, it doesn't matter to me. Uh, the printed version would be less convenient to carry. Although, as I said, heavy could be used as a bludgeon if need be. Mm-hmm. Um, an ebook, assuming that I, you know, that it's the, 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 my method of reading it is more convenient and I'm not going to run out of battery or anything like that, then, um, I could, I, I prefer eBooks in general. I, I really do because they're so convenient. And, uh, so that's probably what I would choose, um, uh, all things being equal. But of course that okay. would be the, that would be the question is what, what am I reading it on? If I have to, if I have to sit or stand in a one particular location in order to scroll on a screen to read it, I think maybe I'd rather have the portability of the book. But if it is a portable ebook reader that I could just carry around to a, a ledge or, or with my feet in the water or anything like that and still read uh, comfortably, um, I would choose. So really it comes down to whatever was most um, ergonomically convenient. We'll go with ebook unless it's chained down somewhere or right. embedded within a rock. Mm. Um, brilliant. Approved. On that Hooray. one. Um, okay, here comes Finally, trouble. finally then. <laughs> um, so, the last choice was gadget or device. It can't be a computer, a mobile phone, or other broadcast communications or internet access device. Right. So, what is your choice? So, this is very difficult for me because I feel like I want to pick something. The, the, logically, the thing that I want on the island that I, ha- I don't have yet is music. Um, and maybe movies. Those are the things that I don't have. But the way I listen to music and one of the ways I, I uh, watch movies, those are mobile phones or iPads or things like that. And you said cannot be a computer, a mobile device or other broadcast communications or Internet access device, even though I do have Internet access, but not from this device. That's the idea here. So so I went with an iPod. And we can discuss what model that is. And and, and I am con- my concern is that there are hidden rules about the contents on it. Because it seems to me that if we're discussing things to be taken to a desert island, if I literally just say, give me the largest iPod and I will stuff it with my favorite music and all of my favorite movies, now I, d- now I have one book, but perhaps I have 20 or 50 movies. Perhaps I have thousands of songs. Um, so I'm, I'm happy to negotiate based on what the rules are, but I feel like an entertainment device like an iPod that perhaps has no connectivity is arguably not a computer, although I think that's a question for you is where you draw the line in terms of a computer. Mm. It's not a mobile phone. Um, some iPods don't have any form of internet access or broadcast communications. So I'm happy to work out where we, uh, where we fit this in, but I do want a, a device that I can use to, um, at least listen to music, if not also uh, watch uh, some favorite movies or TV shows on. So I'm imagining you're wanting to go for an iPod Touch at 128 gigabytes of size. Yes. If if uh, well, I mean, my first my first request would be an 
a non-cellular iPad in you know or with the Wi-Fi turned off at 512 gigabytes completely stuffed with everything but I will backtrack to an iPod touch with the maximum and if that is refused, I will actually go all the way back to even an original iPod that just has music on it. Because in the end, I think my highest priority is to have some of my favorite music with me. And since this is this is not, I don't I don't see a tariff here on number of songs or number of albums or number of films. I'm hoping that we can come to some uh, safe arrangement here for approval. I think it seems fair enough. I'm concerned that. Most people, when it comes to choosing a gadget or device, will choose something a bit more potentially life-saving. Mm-hmm. So potentially a, a pen knife or a book about toadstools or something. Um, and I, so, well, I, I now wait a second. I, I was I was under if I am to be well, Wikipedia will help with a lot of those, I think. But um, I was understanding that there was at least some level of civilization on this island in the sense that I have Internet and that uh, that there will be available, available food, um, you know. Well, so, well, it, 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 it is a deserted island. If Tom Hanks's movie Castaway taught me nothing, and Gilligan's Island, quite frankly, it's that uh, if I'm on an island and there are uh, and there are uh, fish to be had, then I'll be okay. You'll be okay. You can f- you can go fish, can you? I'm more concerned. I mean, yeah. If I w- if uh, I, I'm concerned that if what I did was was not entertainment related, that I would be better armed, but go mad, and so I'm concerned about my my mental security and figure that I can figure out how to, uh, how to, how to survive. But it is true. I will say if I have absolutely nothing, uh, with me and there is no infrastructure at all beyond the, um, the internet coconuts that occasionally come that some sort of multi-tool that might allow me to more readily cut things and all of that would be a, a, a wonderful gadget to have. But, um, but that that's a question that I think was a little bit outside of uh, my interpretation of the premise. But, you know, if, if, if you as a customs official are stopping me and saying, are you sure you want to bring that iPad or that iPod when um, you might instead want to consider something that allows you to, you know, carve up uh, your fish and, uh, and cut, cut, cut some things down, cut some things make down, yourself a tent. I I uh I would probably go with the customs agent's advice on that and and get some sort of a handheld, you know, multi-tool that has some yeah, you know, has a knife and uh and and some other tools like that. That that would be if if survival if I'm being pulled aside by the survival officer and saying you're not going to make it uh yeah. unless you bring one of these, then I'm sure I would trade that. Okay. I'm not sure I would trade that for the book for a survival book. Possibly, but I feel like I can probably get by with Wikipedia, even though Wikipedia is often wrong. I could probably use it and fork it out. Yeah. Okay. Sort of triangulate the real the real answer, the real way of doing things. Right. Right. So, and I'll give up. I'll give up music for that. I'm just going to be singing to myself. I hope the coconut doesn't mind if I'm a little off key. I'm sure it won't. Okay. So you're willing to get. You would be willing to give that up for a multi tool of some variety. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm just a little concerned about your uh, sustainability on the island. The only benefit I could think of with the iPod Touch is the ability to turn the flashlight on. That's true. When it gets very dark at night time. 
I couldn't think of any other way for it to to sort of assist you. <laughs> well, it it depends. I mean, I I might have questions about the what else is on the island in terms of being able to use rocks and other things like that. But uh, but you're right. A flashlight would be useful. It's a good question. It really depends on on how well I've understood the contents of the island because I do want to survive. Although I am now that you mentioned the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, I am now tempted to just bring the iPod with music along because I'll take all of my entertainment with me when I leave the island and by using my improvised thumb, I catch the eye of a passing spaceship and hitchhike my way across the galaxy and leave the island behind. Okay. If if you want to go into island life with uh, thinking that that is a possibility, <laughs> I can't possibly take that away from you. As um, so, we will go. We will go with the. Uh, I think we will go with the iPod loaded with music, or a multi tool of some variety because of concerns. Right. And I, I will listen to the to the advice of those. Who are counseling me on my on my voyage? If they if they feel like the multi tool is going to be the difference between survival and not surviving, I will take that and I'll forego the music. And I I remember a lot of songs. I'll just sing them into the coconut. I think that would be wise. All right, we'll do it. We will kind of. I'm not. I've not got a stamp for a sort of halfy halfy. So I'm not going to stamp anything there. I'm going to leave that for the. Um, safety advisor. Thank you. In the which is which is he's in the next room, mm. so you can go and see him at the end of the podcast. Okay. So they are your choices for the island. Do you think you are going to enjoy your time on the island? I think it depends on what the safety after officer says, but yes, I feel like this is a lot of material to keep me focused. The island sounds lovely, other other than the questions of survivability, which need to be discussed a little bit further. I think a little peace and quiet will uh, will be nice and it'll allow me some contemplation. I think that'll be good. You'll be all right on your own. I think so. I mean, I'll miss my family, of course. That that will happen when I'm away from them. I do miss them. But I've never been somebody who has uh, been uncomfortable being alone. Uh, maybe my tune will change after an extended period on the island. But I think... Uh, uh, I've equipped myself and I've got enough things going on inside my head that I should be able to uh, keep myself entertained. Marvellous. Right. With that then, Jason, enjoy your time on the island. Thank you. And uh, thank you very much for coming into the customs office and um, going on to the island. Good luck. Thank you for your stamps. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Deserted. To listen to previous episodes, either subscribe in Apple Podcasts, your podcast app of choice, or head to desertedpodcast.com. Please leave a review on iTunes, and if you want to send a message in a bottle with feedback, or you would like to be on a future episode, send it to customs at desertedpodcast.com. Desert.